MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, September 16th, 2020. Today, the Department of Justice confirms with Politico that Barr is under investigation for interfering with the Roger Stone sentencing recommendations back in February by the Inspector General. The founders of the environmental movement and Scientific American magazine have endorsed Joe Biden. Trump may be setting up a wag the dog situation with Iran. A judge has ruled that Chad Wolf is unlawfully serving as Homeland Security Secretary. The World Trade Organization has ruled that Trump's tariffs against China are illegal. And criminal subpoenas have been issued against Bolton's publisher. I'm your host, A.G. Hey, everyone. Very big show today. I will be joined in a little bit in the uh, A Block by legal reporter for Politico, Josh Gerstein. Very excited to speak to him. First time on the show. And I'll be speaking later with comedian and former candidate for president, Ben Glebe. You do not want to miss what he has to say. He's doing some incredible things in the time of COVID. And we will flip it blue with Democratic candidate for Texas's 25th district, Julie Oliver. And... I'm excited to be joined by comedian and activist Dana Goldberg for the good news. It's uh, Wednesday. That means it's AGDG time. So I'm looking forward to that. She is such a national treasure. We have a lot of headlines to get to today. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. Back in June. Let's do a little rewind here. I flippantly tweeted, quote, wouldn't it be funny if we got all the information from Bolton's book and Bolton went to jail? Well, today. We learned that the Department of Justice has opened a criminal inquiry related to the publication of former National Security Advisor John Bolton's highly critical tell-all book about his time working for Trump. And this is according to multiple outlets. The Justice Department convened a grand jury and has subpoenaed publisher Simon & Schuster for documents as it investigates whether Bolton, the author of The Room Where It Happened, mishandled classified information. I think he should probably be sued for calling it The Room Where It Happened, but that's just me. The Department of Justice has also reportedly subpoenaed Javelin, that's Bolton's literary agency, for documents. Now, This is more than likely a continuation of the administration's weaponization of main justice to attack the president's political enemies. But if Bolton did, in fact, mishandle classified information, that could put him and should put him in legal jeopardy. If he did not, and this is a mere attack on him, I do not think that the grand jury will return an indictment. But we'll see. We will keep you posted. The evidence is evidence. And uh, of course, if this is a bullshit attack and weaponization. I do not wish it to go forward, even though it could land Bolton in jail, which, you know, half man, half mustache may deserve for other things. But, you know, we really have to stick to the rule of law uh, and and support it regardless of who they go after, which is why we were fine with investigating Democrats during the Mueller investigation, if you listen to the Mueller She Wrote podcast. Uh, anyway, um, th- that I think is, uh, it's, it's kind of it's kind of a difficult call, right? Like I don't know, there's just so many other things Bolton could go to prison for and maybe maybe he will. We just have to vote in numbers too big to manipulate for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, right? In November. And if you all remember, we reported yesterday that the Department of Justice Inspector General Horowitz was looking into the things that went on in February within the Justice Department with regards to the Roger Stone case. And we got confirmation today from legal reporter at Politico, Josh Gerstein. He joins us now. Josh, welcome. Yeah, Allison, good to be with you. 
It is great to be with you. It's an honor to speak with you. First time on our show. So thank you so much for speaking with us. Tell us what you found. Well, so the inspector general's office at the Justice Department has done a lot of very high profile investigations um, in the last couple of years. Uh, they've, uh, for example, looked into uh, how the investigation into Hillary Clinton's email account was handled. We're highly critical of uh, FBI director uh, Jim Comey over that. Um, then they looked into also uh, intelligence uh, issues related to surveillance uh, and the Trump campaign had a report that came out on that, I believe, uh, towards the end of last year. And now they've added to their uh, agenda going forward here to look into uh, this decision that was made by Attorney General Bill Barr uh, to basically soften the government sentencing recommendation for uh, a longtime good friend and political confidant of President Donald Trump, Roger Stone. Uh, prosecutors in that case uh, originally asked for a seven to nine year sentence uh, for thwarting investigations into the Trump campaign and alleged ties to Russia. And uh, you may remember, uh, I think it was uh, back in, in, well, it was earlier in the year, you had uh, Roger Stone, uh, that sentencing request go in, and literally within 24 hours, the Justice Department reversed course uh, and said that was too much time. It was really the kind of move that uh, I haven't seen in 20 years, 25 years of covering uh, legal matters in Washington uh, for the Justice Department to reverse itself uh, on such a sensitive matter uh, in the course of a day is just not something you ever see. Mm -hmm. And and uh, according to earlier reporting, it, this this investigation by Horowitz seemed to be triggered by Zelensky, one of the prosecutors on the case, who has since removed himself from the case, along with three other prosecutors after this you know, pressure from Barr, he testified uh, uh, back, you know, I think in March. And so I think that that is, is sort of, no, actually, it was more recent than that. But either way, it, am I understanding it correctly that that is what triggered this this Department of Justice uh, IG probe? And you have confirmed this with the Department of Justice, correct? Yeah, no, the Justice Department eventually confirmed it for the moment. The Horowitz's office is being tight-lipped about it, which is a little surprising because they have confirmed some of these other high-profile investigations, but actually Barr's spokesperson uh, confirmed, Carrie Kupek confirmed to us that there is a review underway, and she said that they uh, welcomed the Inspector General uh, looking into this issue. It does sound like the investigation uh, was triggered by this testimony um, from Aaron Zelinsky, who testified, I believe, to the House uh, Judiciary Committee uh, saying that his understanding from colleagues in the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington was that they were under political pressure to make a lenient recommendation for uh, Roger Stone. Uh, the details, you know, I listened to all of his testimony. It was a bit murky on where the pressure was coming from exactly or who was placing it. Um, he, he knew who his supervisors were and that that's how they understood the situation. It was a little lacking in specifics of, of who told what to who. We have heard part of that story basically directly um, from Bill Barr that he told his former aide that he curiously had just um, placed in this job in the U.S. Attorney's Office in D.C. on an acting basis, I think about a, a week or so before uh, this all went down, uh, that he met with him, that he thought it was going to be a more moderate recommendation uh, for Roger Stone's sentence, and that, in fact, the Attorney General said he was shocked when he saw the news accounts about it. Uh, that night that, in, in fact, he was pretty sure that the news outlets had the story wrong. Um, and in fact, he later came to realize that 
the stories were exactly correct and and then went to investigate and uh, made this decision that it was going to reverse the recommendation and 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 soften it um, in the presentation to the judge. Yeah, and and uh, those are the kinds of things that I'm hoping uh, Horowitz gets to the bottom of. And Horowitz, you know, uh, he's one of the only inspectors general that's made it through Trump's attacks uh, and removals of of inspectors general in in multiple agencies. And I'm wondering if that's not a third rail for him because he relies on. Uh, Horowitz's um, sort of, uh, you know, character because his one single talking point about Russiagate uh, is the Carter Page FISA stuff. And we know how Horowitz came down on that. Right. You know, Horowitz has a very strong reputation. I think some people within the Justice Department, unsurprisingly, think that sometimes he um, exaggerates things to to find errors where uh, there was really no significant mistake made. They always want to find someone responsible for something. Rarely do you do an investigation and say everything, everybody did everything right. I think in this specific case that what he'll probably be looking at most closely is, you may remember that um, the night that this recommendation came out, uh, I think it was in the wee hours of the morning, uh, President Trump put out a, a tweet saying how outraged he was by it and that it was ridiculous. Uh, and Barr has claimed that he actually initiated the process uh, to reverse this or, or reframe this recommendation before the president weighed in on the subject. And I imagine that Horowitz will look into that pretty closely and see whether, in fact, Barr's aides or other people who were in contact with him uh, confirmed that he raised this concern as soon as the press reports came out um, and wasn't, you know, at least directly um, acting at, uh, you know, at the behest of President Trump. Yeah, well, we'll see how it turns out. I wouldn't expect any results from this investigation before the election, if anybody's hoping for that. Um, but I appreciate you coming on today, legal reporter for Politico, Josh Gerstein. Thank you so much. Happy to do it, Allison, anytime. Also today, the founders of the environmental movement and Scientific American uh, have endorsed Joe Biden. Here is um, something. Here's what the Scientific American, the magazine, has said. Quote, Scientific American has never endorsed a presidential candidate in its 175-year history. This year, we are compelled to do so. We do not do this lightly. The evidence and the science show that Donald Trump has badly damaged the United States and its people because he rejects evidence and science. The most devastating example is his dishonest and inept response to the COVID-19 pandemic, which has cost more than 190,000 Americans their lives by the middle of September. He has also attacked environmental protections, medical care, and the researchers and public science agencies that help this country prepare for its greatest challenges. That is why we urge you to vote for Joe Biden, who is offering fact-based plans to protect our health, our economy, and our environment. These and other proposals he has put forth can set the country back on course for a safer, more prosperous, and more equitable future. And this is from the Daily Beast. More than 170 of the world's most esteemed environmental activists signed on to an open letter on Monday urging their supporters to vote for Joe Biden rather than vote for the Green Party or sit out the election. The big picture here, uh, the group says progressives who vote for the Green Party candidate or write in Henry David Thoreau or refuse to vote at all will help win the election for Trump, whom they excoriated for his unprecedented malignancy, fear mongering, pathological lying and atrocious policymaking. Also, Trump may be setting up a wag-the-dog situation with Iran. In a tweet today, Trump declared, quote, According to press reports, Iran may be planning an assassination or other attack against the United States in retaliation for the killing of terrorist leader Soleimani, which was carried out for planning a future attack. Unquote. 
Now, I quote tweeted the Tangelo Genghis Khan, replying, Come on. You pressured the Department of Justice to let Turkey off the hook for skirting Iranian sanctions. Then you and Vanki funded the Iranian Revolutionary Guard with dirty money through your tower in Azerbaijan. Stop acting like you don't suck Iran's dick under the desk, unquote. I may have been a little forward with that one, but still unbelievable. And, you know, the killing of Soleimani was a gift to Putin, plain and simple. And it seems to me the president is laying the groundwork for a military action against Iran in the weeks leading up to the election. We will keep you posted. And a federal judge in Maryland has ruled that Chad Wolf is likely unlawfully serving as acting secretary of Department of Homeland Security. No shit! And temporarily barred the Trump administration from enforcing new asylum restrictions on members of two immigration advocacy groups. Judge Paula Zinnes issued a 69-page ruling Friday and said that the two groups are, quote, likely to demonstrate... Uh, McAleenan's appointment was invalid under the agency's applicable order of succession, so he lacked the authority to amend the order of succession to ensure Wolf's installation as acting, acting secretary. As you know, we had Steve Vladek on a, a couple of weeks ago to explain that whole debacle of, of Wolf's ascendancy to the secretary level of HHS and, and Cuccinelli's deputy ascendancy. Subsequently, Wolf did not have the authority to impose the asylum rules that are being challenged. And uh, the new requirements, which court documents say took effect in late August, concern employment and the case is ongoing. Uh, Zinnis's ruling does not mean Wolf is leaving his position. The appointments of Wolf and his number two, Ken Cuccinelli, to the top leadership roles at DHS have increasingly come under scrutiny. They both continue to serve in their posts. The Trump administration appealed a federal judge's ruling earlier this year that it was unlawful to appoint Cuccinelli to lead the agency responsible for processing U.S. immigration requests. And he remains in that post more than six months later. And, of course, the case before Zenis is still ongoing. And the city of Louisville, Kentucky, has agreed to pay $12 million to the family of Breonna Taylor and institute a series of police reforms to settle the family's wrongful death lawsuit. Until Freedom, which is a social justice organization that has protested in Louisville, released a statement Tuesday reacting to the reported settlement. No amount of money will bring back Breonna Taylor, the group said. We see this settlement as a bare minimum you can do for a grieving mother. The city isn't doing her any favors. True justice is not served with cash settlements. We need those involved in her murder to be arrested and charged. We need accountability, and we need justice. Brianna Taylor's family agrees, saying this is just the beginning, though this $12 million payout is the largest in the city's history. And finally, the World Trade Organization has ruled that Trump's tariffs on $200 billion worth of Chinese goods are illegal. The decision marks the first time the Geneva-based trade body has ruled against a series of high-profile tariffs that Trump's government has imposed on a number of countries and allies and rivals. Uh, Trump has uh, repeatedly claimed that the WTO treats the U.S. unfairly. Sound familiar? WHO, WTO, UN, NATO. It's unfair. It's all unfair. This ruling, in theory, would allow China to impose retaliatory tariffs on billions worth of U.S. goods. Of course, we, the consumers, will see that. And we also see the cost of the tariffs, by the way. And we're facing our world's largest trade deficit ever. But it's unlikely to have much practical impact, uh, at least in the short term, this ruling by the WTO, because the U.S. can appeal the decision and the WTO's appeals court is no is currently no longer functioning, largely because of Washington's single-handed refusal to accept new members to it. Sound familiar? Kind of like the FEC not having a quorum to start investigations into campaigns? Washington's single-handed refusal to accept new members for the WTO appeals court. Anyway, we'll be right back with Democratic candidate for Texas's 25th district, Julie Oliver, right after this. Stay with us. After these 
messages. We'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG with The Daily Beans. Now more than ever, we're all thinking about our health. But if you're like me, you'd prefer to avoid going to a doctor's office right now. Thankfully, there's a practical and affordable way to take control of your health and get personalized care from the comfort of your home. It's called SteadyMD. SteadyMD is your personal doctor online. You start by taking a quick quiz to get matched with a licensed primary care physician who understands your lifestyle and your health needs. Next, you have a one-hour appointment with your doctor to start a real relationship. After that, your doctor is available to you anytime by text, phone, or video chat. Unlike other services, this isn't a random doctor on call. Each steady MD doctor has a limited number of patients, so they have time to listen and give you the personal attention you deserve. I took the quiz, um, and I like that they match me according to my individual health and lifestyle. SteadyMD can help you get and stay healthy, manage chronic conditions and concerns, reduce stress, lose weight, sleep better, feel better, boost your immune system, which is so important during the pandemic, and much, much more. While still in the serenity of your home, in your jammies, uh, you, can, you can talk to your doctor so you can skip the waiting room and the germs. Prescriptions are sent directly to your home or local pharmacy, and you get unlimited access to your doctor for only $99 a month. No additional fees or co-pays. SteadyMD will even help you understand and get the most out of your health insurance, but insurance is not required. SteadyMD is now accepting members of all ages in all 50 states. So go to SteadyMD.com dailybeans to take the free quiz and see which doctor is a perfect fit for you. SteadyMD, that's S-T-E-A-D-Y-M-D dot com slash dailybeans. There's no risk and no long-term commitment to get started. That's SteadyMD.com slash dailybeans. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time to Flip It Blue. And joining me today for the Flip It Blue segment, she was born poor in South Dallas. She grew up working class in a little town called Ovilla. She experienced homelessness as a teenager, and she relied on Medicaid for prenatal care when she was 17 years old. So she knows her stuff. Julie Oliver is running for the 25th District in Texas. Her opponent is Roger Williams, uh, incumbent Republican, been there since 2013. Everybody, please welcome Julie Oliver to the show. Thank you so much, Allison, for having me. Yeah, I'm so, so excited to talk to you. You have an incredible story that I think really speaks to a lot of people. And, uh, um, you know, to get this, to get more women running and get the, you know, to get the the Congress to represent the people of the actual United States of America, I think is so important. So I'm so glad you're running. Well, thank you. I mean, wouldn't it be nice to have a Congress that is actually reflective of what the United States looks like. <laughs> yeah, representation. It's a whole thing. We had a tea party and... Uh, you know, sometimes you might say warts and all, but I feel like we only have the warts in Congress right now. No, I'm just kidding. No, There's, there, are a few, there are a handful of really good people in Congress. There really are. But there are a lot of warts in Congress. Yes, uh, I, I concur. And we are trying to get them out, including Roger Williams. Tell us a little bit about Texas's 25th district. Is it is it is it red? Well, it was historically. And, I, you know, there's this um, saying that Beto, you know, he repeated over and over in 2018 that Texas is not a red state. It's actually a non-voting state. And you see that I think our district is the perfect um, example of this. It was gerrymandered in 2011 after the 2010 census when Roger Williams was the secretary of state. He actually had a seat on the redistricting commission. So he wanted a, a congressional district. It was drawn for him, literally drawn for him. 
And so when you have, you know, these gerrymandered districts, and we've got six of them that radiate out of Austin. Austin historically has been a Democratic city, but you have six that are pulling large amounts of rural Texas, um, which tends to lean a little more conservative in their vote. You end up with people who feel very disenfranchised, feel like their votes don't count, and they stop voting. And that's what we've seen in ours until 2018. And I will say polling as of a week ago showed us within uh, the statistical margin of error of Roger Williams. We're in a dead heat right now. That's incredible. And I think overall, uh, we are seeing in Texas as a whole, um, I mean, they've gone from red, reliably red, to sort of red, to toss up. And and I think that it's in contention. And, and I think it's so important for people to support campaigns like yours, first of all, to get that representation in Congress we're talking about. But second of all, up and down the ballot to move Texas to the left, which is representative of what the constituents actually want. That's so true. And I feel like Texas has been written off for so long because of the gerrymandering that's that's happened here. And, um, you know, there's huge demographic shifts in Texas. You know, it's it's been a state that has attracted a lot of people from outside of the state who moving in. A lot of those folks vote democratically. And so they shouldn't absolutely not write off Texas. This is the year we're going to do the United States proud. <laughs> Good. Good. And 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 I think that uh, our listeners are definitely into supporting that idea. And I wanted to talk a little bit because, you know, we're not just voting against Republicans here. We are voting for something. And I want to talk about the things that are on your platform. For example, um, you want to get big money out of Congress, overturn Citizens United and tax the PACs, right? So can you talk a little bit about that and why it's so important that we head down that road? Yeah, absolutely. And the reason I actually ran in 2018 was all about health care and having a child with a lot of health care issues and Republicans' attempts to repeal the Affordable Care Act. So it really stemmed out of that. And I thought, well, if I just explain to people how health care is financed in Texas and in the United States, they'll listen. They'll see that everybody should have universal health care because we can save lives, improve outcomes, and actually lower costs. And this comes from a uh, almost 16-year-long career working for the largest for-profit hospital operator in the United States. But I realized very quickly that money is a very corrosive, very influential um, component of what happens in elections. I mean, you see it every election cycle. You hear about the money getting poured into races. Much of that special interest money, much of that tied back to uh, a corporate interest somewhere. And if we could just get big money out of politics, we could have uh, open the floor for debates. We could actually um, maybe have some some bipartisanship on legislation. Things wouldn't get stalled uh, in Mitch McConnell's graveyard. But money plays such a corrosive influence. In my, and the idea I had actually came from a different piece of legislation that was the carbon fee and dividend uh, legislation that's proposed. It's taxing corporate PACs. Their tax exempt entities revoke their tax exempt status, tax them onerously, like 90%, and then take that tax revenue and create a funding stream for publicly financed campaigns. So that folks who aren't millionaires can actually run for Congress, because I really do think that we need more teachers in Congress, more nurses in Congress, more firefighters in Congress, more grocery store workers, uh, people who've been on the front lines through a pandemic, they should be in Congress. And you could have that if, if people actually could tap into uh, some financing through through the government. And this is one way to, to create that funding stream. 
Yeah, that's a great, great idea. And, and you know, we need that representation in Congress. We, we aren't all millionaires. And it's it's evidence, evidence in their out of touchedness, I guess, if that's a an adjective up on up on the hill where they say, oh, you know, twelve hundred dollars for 10 weeks now, five months. That's plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're fine. People can live off five dollars a day. What do you guys you all are crazy and all the gaslighting that takes place and so much of that big money. Um, that you're talking about comes from the healthcare lobby, and and mm-hmm. you are um, uh, for Medicare for all and to support and safeguard women's health and women's right to choose. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Well, I, I, like I said, 15 years in healthcare finance, I realized how broken the system is, and how so many people are left out of the healthcare kind of the healthcare equation, especially in Texas. Before the pandemic, we had the highest number of uninsured people. We had the highest maternal mortality rate, the highest infant mortality rate. And when you when you exclude so many people from being able to afford healthcare or be able to see a doctor, what happens is they end up in the emergency room because there is really an emergency. It is the most expensive level of care. And sometimes by the time somebody ends up in an emergency room, the outcome is really poor because they haven't been able to seek care under a doctor's guidance and with the medications that they need. So I am absolutely in favor of Medicare for all because I think it, well, one, it will cover everybody. And two, I mean, you're not going to have medical GoFundMes anymore. Yeah. And three, you're going to be able to improve outcomes. All the things that we want. We want a lower health care cost. We want better outcomes. We don't think people should go bankrupt because they have a child who, who got sick, got cancer, or fell out of a tree and needed orthopedic surgery to fix their arm. Um most of us, the majority of Americans support these ideals. These are popular ideas. And so I do. I, I'm totally in favor of Medicare for all because insurance companies, one, they don't add anything except cost to the equation. It's, yeah, just add another step, right? Just another, another step. step in the bureaucracy. It's a middleman who, who gets paid way too much, gets bonused far too much. In fact, I, I remind people that health insurance executives get paid anywhere, and we're talking a daily pay, not an annual pay, but every day, anywhere from about uh, $40,000 to $50,000 a day to the top wage earner was uh, $225,000 every day of the year. We're paying for that in our health care. And why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's also, you know, important that we recognize that tying health care to employment is such a grave mistake, especially now that we've got 40 plus million people applying for uninsurance, uh, unemployment benefits uh, in because of, uh, you know, what the Republicans have done regarding this pandemic. So we, we absolutely need to step back and and take a clearer look at that and, you know, figure out what is actually best for people and not what's best for the pocketbooks of the of the major healthcare companies. Why We have to ask ourselves, why are we shoring up certain industries when we know that they provide no value to us, truly no value. Yeah. And something that's uh, near and dear to my heart that you uh, really support, um, because I'm a disabled veteran, I have PTSD, mm-hmm. and you want to end the federal prohibition on cannabis to allow it to be used in places in place of addictive opioids um, for, for veterans and the Veterans Medical Marijuana Safe Harbor Act, which would allow yes. us to use, possess, or transport medical marijuana. Because uh, currently it's still... You know, schedule one, I think. Yes. Up there with heroin. Uh huh. Just heroin, you name, uh, meth, amphetamines, and then marijuana on the same schedule. <laughs> it's unreal. Yeah. And so, you know, to, for veterans to have to, you know, not be able to 
get uh, this kind of relief from from the Department of Veterans Affairs. They have to go the opioid route uh, and the, you know, the the psych med route, uh, I think, is very dangerous, especially when we're looking at 22 suicides a day. Absolutely. And, you know, probably behind all this, if you peeled back the layers, probably the 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 lobby that's behind um, making sure that this everything stays status quo is the pharmaceutical industry. You know, the, the ones who are pushing the opio- op- opioids on Americans, the ones that are dumping millions of dollars into mm-hmm. politics yep. to keep things the way that, that they want them to be, to keep them the way they want them to be. When we know that there are clearly better um, choices for and, and better alternatives, especially in this area, when you're talking about PTSD and even pain management. Oh, my goodness. Um, the the I still think that, this you know. Purdue, the executives of Purdue and the Sackler family need to be in jail because of what they pushed on America. They are responsible. They are single-handedly responsible for the opioid addiction we have in America. They knew it was dangerous, and they didn't even tell doctors that it was dangerous. Yeah. In fact, they incentivized doctors to overprescribe. Yes, they did. Now, um, one last thing I want to get to, because this is also a, an issue very personal to me, and and that is the... Uh, unconstitutional transgender troop ban. I was privileged enough to help the Department of Defense develop a health program for transgender uh, troops, military, active duty service members and their families, because at the VA where I worked, we have been serving the transgender community as veterans for decades. And yeah. when the Department of Defense and, and General Mattis did all the white papers showing that this would be fine and everything would be great if we allowed transgender people to serve openly in the military, the VA assisted in creating a health plan. And then, boom, we get a tweet um, from Donald Trump. And I want to I, I just want you to sort of address for a second the um, your your positions on uh, LGBTQIA equality. Well, this is incredibly important to me as well, because one, I have a sister who is, um, she's gay. And my goodness, the way that she's been treated versus the way that I've been treated, I want to live in America where everybody views her the same as they view me. Um, And and who she chooses to love is nobody's business. It's certainly not Donald Trump's business. And and I I also tell people this, I was like, her, uh, her partnership with her wife has outlasted every heterosexual relationship in our family. And so I was like, I, if that's not the definition of stability, I don't know what is. But, you know, beyond that, we also know that this is an administration that has otherized everybody, every possible community. They want us to fight amongst ourselves. They want us to be fearful of the others. You can't see that I'm doing air quotes. I'm doing air quotes around the word the others. So that we will continue to bicker among ourselves so that they can enrich themselves while nobody's looking. And so this had nothing to do with, um, you know, safety or, or you know, legitimate fears, uh, you know, in, in the military. It had everything to do with uh, vilifying a, a certain group, which he has done. I mean, almost every group you can think of, he has vilified in some way to pander to an extremist fringe in our country so again, that he and other Republicans can enrich themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and 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 Mattis, who isn't exactly a, a, a super 
liberal fella, um, <laughs> determined through several studies and white papers that morale wouldn't change. Everybody was fine yeah. with it. I knew thousands and thousands of veterans that I had and active duty service members and their families that I discussed it with. And they're like, that, that's fuck, that's fine with us. And it's awesome because, you know, it's going to cost so much money to boot folks out and retrain them. It's like it's just a waste of taxpayer dollars. And it's also just un-American. Yes, it is. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I would love it very much if you could, because everybody we got, we have to get uh, Julian over at the 25th district in Texas. Can you tell everyone where they can find your platform, find information on you and where they can contribute to your campaign or volunteer to do text banking, phone banking, write postcards? Can you can you let everyone know? Oh, my goodness. So we have a website, julieoliver.org. You can volunteer or sign up to volunteer there. You can also make contributions there. You can read my story if you want to go into a little bit more of my back background and why I'm doing this. Um, it's all there. And then also um, Facebook, Julie for Texas, Twitter and Instagram, Julie Oliver TX. And I wish I had made it uniform across all platforms and I could kick myself now, but too late to change. But yes, we would love people's help, whatever that looks like. Uh, you can phone bank from anywhere in the United States. And so you don't have to be here in Texas. We just I was just talking to somebody uh, who's been a wonderful supporter of mine. He's he's one of the smartest people I know in the climate, uh, the climate change area. And he's like, Julie, you know, what's so great about these these virtual events that you do and virtual fundraisers. People can join from anywhere. They can't say, oh, I'm not going to be in town. I was like, oh, you are right, Tom. You're right. They can't use that as an excuse anymore. <laughs> no, and I think we're kind of reshaping the way that we campaign and the way that we, um, you know, reach out. And I think even after, um, you know, uh, knock wood, Joe Biden is elected, we get COVID under control and we go back to the way we were in the before times. I think so many lessons that we've learned uh, are going to be applicable, like you said, for um, disabled folks, people who can't make it, out-of-towners, et cetera. I think so many of these things are going to carry forward. So I'm looking forward to the future. Well, it really allows people to get unified in a way, I mean, in, in a digital way, but definitely we can all be unified together as we help races around the country get pushed over the finish line for sure. Well, thank you so much. I hope our listeners go to your website and help push you over the finish line. Julie Oliver running for the 25th District in Texas against Roger Williams, Republican. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the interview. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to The Daily Beans. And this portion of the podcast is brought to you by Caliper CBD. Everything is extra stressful these days, and we all need to practice self-care. But self-care shouldn't also pile onto your anxiety. It should be easy. And the great thing about CBD is it helps you feel better without having to make drastic changes to your routine. CBD has helped me feel more calm. I've been sleeping easier, and I feel less sore in the morning. My favorite thing about Caliper is they've introduced a better way to consume CBD in a powder. And unlike oils, Caliper CBD powder is completely tasteless, and it mixes easily in any food or drink. And it's got precisely 20 milligrams in each packet. So you never question how much CBD you're taking again. I like to put some Caliper CBD in my morning coffee or a post-workout protein shake or in some tea before bed. And it is clinically proven that you absorb 450% more CBD with Caliper CBD powder than tinctures. And that's actually a humongous difference. And Caliper gives you all the benefits in just 15 minutes. So it's fast acting, twice as fast as CBD oil. And Caliper is completely THC free. So you get all the benefits of CBD without any intoxicating or mind-altering effects. 
Caliper is made with all natural non-GMO ingredients. There's no fillers, no added chemicals or artificial flavors. So take care of yourself, but also make it easy on yourself with Caliper CBD. Get 20% off your first order when you use promo code DAILYBEANS at trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you do not love it, they will give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash dailybeans. And don't forget promo code DAILYBEANS for 20% off your first order. All right, everybody, welcome back. Joining me today for the interview is comedian, host of Idiot Test on Netflix, and former candidate for president, also personal friend of mine, Ben Glebe. Ben, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Allison. I can't believe I've been on the air this long and I haven't had you on. I, it's really, really great to talk to you. Uh, you know, we used to do shows together back in the before times, and so I'm really, really excited to talk to you about how we're adapting for artists and creatives uh, in, in, you know, in these new times. Yeah, they are very much new times and we have to do something different because life is completely different. Yes, absolutely it is. And there's a couple things that you're working on and have worked on that that's coming that are, you know, that are coming back and something new that you've developed and I want to talk to you about all of these things. Uh, first of all, can you tell us about the Telethon for America 2020? Absolutely, it's something that I hope happens very much um in 2018. I created the Telethon for America, and we did it for the midterm elections. And our stated goal was to help create historic voter turnout. And we helped achieve that, whatever small role we played, as we um, had the best voter turnout since 1914 overall and record turnout ever among youth. And it was an event that um, I had a premise, basically, to create the first Telethon ever with the goal of raising absolutely zero dollars. And we succeeded, Allison. Oh, good. Hey, you know, hey, all part of, what did Mitch Hedberg say? The get rich slow scheme? Oh, yeah. I had an old sketch <laughs> called making money slowly, learning how to make money in painfully slow and difficult ways. <laughs> and so our goal, and and that character's name was Pablo Flatbroco, by the way. Oh, uh, beautiful. Perfect. <laughs> and so our goal, instead of take, raising money, was to take pledges to vote in the midterms and to form voting squads to exponentially increase the reach of each person's own personal network to create that okay. turnout. And I only thought of doing it about seven weeks before the midterms, three weeks before we had no funding whatsoever, and suddenly it just started pouring in. I reached out to a bunch of my influencer and comedian and celebrity friends, and all of a sudden, three weeks later, on the day before the midterms, the night before, we had 95 of the biggest celebrities on earth there in our celebrity phone bank, Charlize Theron, Natalie Portman. We had Ch Chelsea Handler involved, Amy Schumer, Julie Louis-Dreyfus, Larry King, Dr. Phil, Pete Davidson, everybody. It was incredible. And um, Jane Fonda, all these amazing people. I hosted it with Olivia Munn, who is wonderful and such an activist and cares about the world so much. And we put together this great show that not only tried to hopefully increase the reach by also flipping the telethon on its head instead of taking calls like all telethons do. It was the first telethon that made calls outward. Once you took the action on our website, telethonforamerica.com, you would make a pledge to vote. Then the info would be given to the celebrity phone bank and you might get a call from one of your favorite celebrities. Mm, wow. It was really cool. It was really effective. And so we're trying to do it again in 2020 for the presidential election. And of course, all the races up and down the ballot. And I'm working on it with the help of the amazing Alyssa Milano and Rosario Dawson and this uh, just a bunch of great people that we're trying our best to make it happen even bigger for this election cycle so we can create the biggest turnout in American history. Awesome. 
And I love that it, it's, you know, given the list of people who helped you out, it seems like a bipartisan effort. You you know, I think you're just the, the, the messages vote, not specifically for any uh, given person. But, you know, we do know that when people show out up to vote that Democrats do better. That absolutely does seem to be the case. And yes, the, the show is strictly nonpartisan, but I am not. And I can separate my work in certain avenues from my belief system. But um, I certainly think anybody with a right mind should stand for anyone who wants to and has the right to vote to be able to do so in an unfettered way in this country. It's kind of what we're founded up upon. And if anybody stands in the way of that, they certainly are a force that should be stopped and should be fought against. And and uh, within the context of, of the telethon, you know, make your own conclusions as to what group that may or may not be. But um, in the context of me as a partisan comedian an activist, uh, we need to make sure Republicans get voted out up and down the ballot and definitely out of the White House. So we stop living in a chaotic world with no longer any semblance of values or sense or morals or, or uh, chill. We have no more chill in this country. <laughs> we, we have no chill. That is uh, absolutely true. And it's really interesting, too, that you, you know, you discuss those kinds of, of strategies to get the, get out the vote. Because you ran uh, for president and you um, one of your one of the things that made you a, a successful fundraiser in that endeavor was that you were taking strategy into account, for example, the strategy of what Donald Trump was doing. And so maybe you could speak to a little bit about that and how how that kind of informs you on these new projects. Absolutely. Yeah. The reason I ran was not out of some weird narcissistic need or desire to be president. I don't think that I should be president. And, and, I, and I think most people that that should be elected shouldn't want to be president beyond if if it's needed, I will run and throw my hat into the ring. And that should be about the level of ego involved. Why I did run is because I don't think we took strategy into account in 2016. I think that Hillary was a flawed candidate, mostly in just that she had a unique set of background and baggage she brought to the table that was the perfect foil for Trump, that Trump was able to counter every one of of the horrible things that he does with just throwing some some of them are total bs but they were still something he could throw against her and he's the greatest shit talker in political history he's the biggest heckler in political history and the way as you know allison you take down a heckler is with a comedian and that was our whole premise is that it does as long as you have a good person at the helm who can surround themselves with an amazing team and I believe Biden is that good person who will surround himself with an incredible team. But you need to win. Otherwise, all of it is for naught. And if we don't take strategy into account, we will likely lose again. So I now that my campaign is done, we're trying to do that in other behind the scenes ways and some off the record ways and some very public ways. But we need to be aggressive. We need to fight hard. We need to fight kind of dirty because they do. And if you're fighting for your life, which we very much are, you absolutely have to fight with your life and tooth and nail you fight hard like one of the lines in my campaign was i love michelle obama but one thing i disagree with her on is she says when they go low we go high i say when they go low that's a great time to step on them well she did modify that statement in her in her uh, speech at the at the dnc she said you know i want to make sure that you know that going high includes you know, defeating lies and, and, you know, you can, you can get your hands dirty there. And I appreciated that she made a little bit of a clarification on that. And I, I loved Project Lincoln's tweet that night. Uh, we go low so you don't have to. I love that she said that too. It was really wonderful. But that's the whole premise is that 
we need to win. We need to be very, very sharp in strategy to beat the orange monster that is eroding our values and everything that we stand for and the concept of truth in society and all of our institutions and faith in our elections and just, you know, civil unrest brewing newly in the streets every day. And so the, 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 the stakes couldn't be any more high, any more dire. And so we have to be incredible, use every tool at our disposal. Yeah. And I do have to say, just to to get my thoughts on the record for this, that the the thought of Hillary being the imperfect candidate was part of the messaging strategy of the Trump campaign and the Kremlin, by the way, because she was the most qualified candidate we've ever had for president in the United States history. Absolutely. No, she's wonderful. And I was a big supporter. But the fact that even though it's incredibly dirty trick and even though it's based a lot on accusations that have been lingering for years, have never been proven, but when after the Access Hollywood tape comes out and that should sink the Trump campaign, he holds a press conference with accusers of Bill Clinton the next morning, right before the debate, it just diffuses in the eyes of people on the fence or Trump supporters that whole thing. So even though that even though Hillary had nothing to do with <laughs> those women, 100 <laughs> percent. But it's a, but that just speaks to my larger point. Again, it's just about strategy. You need to make sure you have a strategy, not just to have better ideas or be a better person or a better candidate, but also to be able to bat down with swift, aggressive force any attack, be it fair or not. Yeah. A hundred percent. And and I, I do want to also talk about some of the incredible ways that you are negotiating uh, this uh, Trump caused hellscape dystopian thing that we're living through right now. And I'm not just talking about the fires. I'm talking about covid as well. Uh, and and, you know, as as a comedian and, you know, I'm I'm a comedian uh, you're a comedian. We have lost so much of our income and livelihood and, and our love, the love of the craft that we do. But you have come up with this really incredible solution called the Nowhere Comedy Club. I was hoping you could tell tell us about that. Thanks. Yeah, I'm happy to. So as we all know, because we had no plan to tackle this pandemic, even though we did have a plan that Trump threw out the window and fired the task force and all that great stuff that has been duly noted and recorded and his, his half of the country doesn't seem to care about or remember. But all live entertainment shut down, so people during the most stressful time didn't have a stress relief, and all of our cohorts who are comedians who make our living traveling the, the world doing jokes cannot couldn't do that. So I created the world's first digital comedy club, fully digital, and we do shows as close as you can come to a full live comedy club experience from the comfort of your home, assuming your home is comfortable, which sometimes not the case. And... And we have live laughter and people have their cameras unmuted and their mics unmuted and you get to be part of a full show, but we curate them and we have showroom managers and bouncers that make sure the audio is good and mute you in a moment's notice if there's any heckling or any sound that's wrong. So you can mute somebody much faster than in a comedy club. And we're attracting some of the biggest names in comedy. And in addition to tons of amazing up and comers, we have people playing the club like Judah Friedlander, uh, Mike Birbiglia doing multiple shows, Todd Berry, Nikki Glazer has been opening for some of my personal shows trying to work out material. So that's been a huge honor. We've get, had Jim Gaffigan as a guest on the Sklar Brothers podcast, like really cool people coming and doing the club. And it's a chance to literally see live entertainment in a more up close and personal way than you even can at a club because you're in the front row no matter what you paid for your ticket. And we also realize that there's a real um, need that we didn't anticipate beyond COVID for this 
in that there's so many people out in the world that have never been able really to attend comedy clubs or, or see live entertainment because either they have social anxiety or disabilities or they financially can't afford a full night out with babysitters and two dream minimums or they live in some boony place that comedians never travel to now everybody can be part of the fun and see shows right from their home or from their bed oftentimes but sometimes it's a little creepy and you've got some big names uh coming on as well yeah it's been incredible we have all those people we have todd berry doing his like seventh show we have another sklar brothers podcast this time with perbigley mm-hmm. i guess perbigley is doing more shows I do an improvised show monthly with Greg Proops called It's a G-Thing, Glebe and Greg, where we do improv games, Who's Line style, um, Jenny Johnson's performing. We have an amazing group of people that more and more every month, that if you go to NowhereComedyClub.com, you can get a ticket, and they're very, very reasonable, and you can enjoy and find a, a breather so that you can fight again the next day against these forces trying to ruin the way of life we know. Because keep, keep, keep this in mind, Allison, even in the greatest battles of all time, in the greatest wars in history, at the end of the day, you still retire to your quarters or your cavern and you get drunk with your buddies and you recharge to get the energy to fight again. And so that's a little bit of what we're trying to provide is the ability to breathe easy and decompress before you get up and do it again the next morning. Awesome. That's amazing. I've got about a minute left here. I was hoping you could tell us about your upcoming uh, a relaunch of your podcast, uh, Last Week on Earth, and where people can find you. Yes, absolutely. So um, I've been doing a podcast for about nine years called Last Week on Earth on Kevin Smith's Modcast Network. It's called that because we cover everything that happened during the last week on Earth. News, politics, pop culture, trends, science, but it's very politics heavy. And this is my unvarnished take on the world. I have guests sometimes, but it is solo very often. And I've had a little break because it's just all COVID news for a very long time. And I kind of needed to process the world myself and didn't want to add to the noise. But now I've got things to say again. We're down to the wire on the election. So we are relaunching in two weeks. You can go to lastweekonearth.com or any place you get your podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and subscribe, please. And I think you'll enjoy it. And uh, follow me online at Ben Glebe, G-L-E-I-B, on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. I'm addicted to all those things. And uh, I'm sharing my thoughts on the world far more than anybody really needs. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm totally amazed at all the work that you're doing. And I know our listeners, Greg Proops, smartest man in the world, has been on our show a few times. And uh, I know that they uh, are listeners uh, who might not have, uh, you know, at one time been into going to comedy shows would definitely love to see you and Proops do some improv. So check that out at NowhereComedyClub.com. And uh, I appreciate you coming on today. It's been a really great talking to you, friend. Uh, ben Glebe, everyone. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Allison. We'll be right back with the Good News Block with Dana Goldberg. So stay with us. Hey, Daily Beans listeners, it's AG. I try to stay in shape, but I easily get bored with my workouts, especially if it's the same thing over and over. And I'm always looking for routines to keep me engaged and excited and motivated. So if you're like me and you're looking for a workout that's never boring and always challenging, you have to check out Fight Camp. Fight Camp is an at-home boxing and bodyweight workout, and they're taught by real fighters. And it's made for all levels, from first-time boxers to seasoned fighters. The boxing workout is always ranked as one of the best ways to get in shape, and it's honestly one of the most fun ways to get your full-body workout and combine cardio and strength training while developing hand-eye coordination. Fight Camp provides you all the gear you need, including gloves, wraps, the best freestanding punching bag on the market, and their unique punch-tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. 
The workouts are structured like traditional boxing rounds with interval training of three minutes uh, and uh, high-intensity boxing and bodyweight training, and then one minute of rest. So it's high-intensity interval training, which is so, so good for you. And you can access over 400 different workouts at all fitness levels and skills. New ones are out every week. And you can connect with Fight Camp on Facebook, over 4,000 members now, and enter challenges, share successes and hardships, and get support from the online community. You can even access a leaderboard for some healthy competition. Watch yourself reach new milestones and bring that goal-crushing mentality to every part of your life. Fight Camp keeps you engaged, focused, and in the zone. Endless variety, uplifting beats, motivating trainers, and powerful technology combined to create a uniquely satisfying workout. Fight Camp offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR, and right now, for a limited time, you can try Fight Camp for 30 days with their money-back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. That's right. Try Fight Camp for 30 days, and if you don't love it, they'll refund your money. Train like a fighter and turn your sweat into results. Tru- uh, to try Fight Camp for 30 days, just go to joinfightcamp.com beans. Again, that's joinfightcamp.com beans. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. And it's Wednesday. It's AGDG time. Joining me is the incredible Dana Goldberg. Hello, Dana. What? What? How are you? I'm so good. Thank you. Well, you know, comparatively speaking. As good as we can be. (laughs) I'm about to be so good because of all this listener submitted good news. I just looked out the window and I saw hummingbirds. So I feel like this is going to be a good news block. Um, It's the magical hummingbird. It's a sign. It is a sign. And we need all the all the good signs we can get. I, know. I mean, it's like a Biden Harris sign in my heart that hummingbird is. That's exactly what that was just now. I see it everywhere like the lettuce made it down the garbage disposal before the cabbage. Biden's going to win, you know, like I I I'm reading whatever I can into it. I think we should. I'm going to see Biden and um, Kamala's face in my tortilla in a second. Like I'm going to accidentally burn it on the stove and be like, that, it, we're going to win. We're going to win November 3rd. It's going to happen. In my tortilla. And I'm also going to gain 20 pounds from carbs, but that's okay. As long as we get the White House back, I'll take one for the team. Nice. I, I appreciate that. And I know our listeners appreciate that. And uh we have speaking of our listeners, if you this is listener submitted good news and confessions. If you want to submit your good news or your quarantine confession, just go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact and the rest is pretty self-explanatory. And if you have a correction for anything that I say incorrectly, uh, you can go there and uh, click on corrections and you'll have to say something nice and then put your correction and then say something nice again. Build me a compliment sandwich, please, and I will make sure to read your correction on the air. Uh, so you're ready to get, you ready to get going, Dana? I am more than ready. Let's do this. I want some good news. Hit it, AG. Hell yeah. Fucking hummingbirds. Here we go. The first one is from Anna, pronouns she and her. Update. A few weeks ago, I shared the good news that I had put up my first political sign and that one of my neighbors had asked for one. Yes. I have now provided signs for three neighbors. Uh, I've had a few of my friends and employees say that they are emboldened to be loud about uh, our policies and our politics because they don't feel alone anymore. That's what that does, right, Dana? You don't absolutely. F- you're not the first one, you know. And um, I see it all over my neighborhood too. Everyone's got Black Lives Matter signs and flags, and and you know, uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd support signs. Like it's all over. And once that first person does it, and this is Anna, she was the first person. So she says, also, I may have gone a bit crazy with my own signs. <laughs> 
I'm up to five regular yard signs and a massive 30 by two banner yes, that Anna. says losers and suckers. Welcome here. Oh my God. I love it. This is giving me life. That is 30 feet by two feet, by the way. My husband is a veteran and was outraged at the latest attacks on our service members. Me too, Anna. And uh, thanks to your husband and you for your service. So uh, she goes on, my Republican husband sat down and helped me paint the banner, which my grandmother helped me hang. We are all excited to help turn Texas blue. Yes, Texas too. Oh, I love it. I love when we get these from like people in rural Ohio and Texas and they're putting their signs out. Mm. I follow a couple Facebook uh, groups and all of them are putting up, you know, their posts from signs in like rural PA where there's like 400 Trump signs and then like a 40 by eight foot banner that's like Biden Kamala. It's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) That's so great. I love it. All right. This next good news is anonymous. On today's beans, someone mentioned the way the community has come together around the fires ravaging Rogue Valley. This is also my home. Updates on the number of houses destroyed in the Alameda fire is now in the thousands. This is up from the estimated 600. However, the community has come together in the most amazing ways. People are fed, housed, and coming together. Earlier this week, caravans, both on bikes and in trucks, carried needed supplies like water, food, hygiene supplies, PPE, including N95 masks for smoke and COVID protection to evacuees and relief sites throughout the valley. I love this. Relief efforts are being led by many local nonprofits like RogueActionCenter.org, and donations have been pouring in. The community has shown up in working on a long-term plan. However, more is definitely needed. Here is a link to the Rogue Valley Relief Fund, and that link is MRGFoundation.org. So please spread the word. You know, I... We are seeing the most devastation we've probably seen in our lifetime, and we also see the best of humanity through this AG, like people coming together like never before to help out strangers. It's it's mm-hmm. quite beautiful. Yeah, look for the helpers, as Mr. Rogers said, and and there are so many, and I'm I'm so glad Anonymous here has reached out because they heard about someone else, um, you know, in the Rogue Valley being ravaged by fire right now and then of course the the people bringing n95 masks for smoke and covid protection because i know i am i don't i haven't seen the science on this but i imagine that's that heavy particulates in the air and smoke in the air is going to increase the viability and spread of covid um it'd be as like tear gas does that's been shown right uh which we learned about in the dc um, peaceful protests where uh, the Trump administration tear gassed peaceful and shot rubber bullets at peaceful supporters so he could walk across the street and hold a Bible somehow not catching on fire. Um, I have no idea how. And I will say if any of you are on the West Coast and you're listening to this, California, all the way up through lower parts of Canada, please wear a mask when you go outside. Even if you don't think you need to be protected from COVID, the smoke is going to have catastrophic effects on your lungs. So just protect yourself so we can keep you. We need you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for reminding us of that. It's, It's just so bad. Um, more good news from Julia, pronouns she and her. At the food bank in Hyde Park, we were able to give out a bunch of super fresh produce to our food insecure neighbors. Thanks to the relentless bounty of Mother Earth and the generosity of one of our local community farms. Amazing. There's a picture there. Julia, that's incredible. And like, Dana, I cannot even begin to talk about how amazing you've seen it reading the good news with me over the last week or so, two weeks, how incredibly 
generous our 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 listeners are and yeah this is just incredible and they there's a picture here we'll send it out in the newsletter of all this fresh produce donated by one of the local farms um, in, in Julia's community. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love it. I think while these stories tell us, and we already know this, and it's just reinforcing there's more of us than there are of them. They're just really fucking loud. And we need to be louder with our generosity and helping our neighbors. And we're doing it. We are doing it. we got more good news from Anonymous, pronouns he, him. I don't know if this counts. All good news counts, just so you know. I don't know if this counts, but my boss bought me a very thoughtful birthday gift. I've never had a boss or supervisor do that for me before. I'm still blown away by it, and I wanted to share my joy with you and your listeners. Thank you for all that you do and for being a light in the dark. We desperately need every photon right now. I love that that science was just interjected into the good news. I mean, photons of light, that's who we That's who we are. We are photons of light, AG. Hell yes. And you didn't even tell us what the gift was, though anonymous i know we'd like to know now we'd like to you should write in tell us what the gifts were yeah and if you work for the federal government i hope it was worth less than 25 dollars or i'm coming for you no i'm kidding (laughs) i'm kidding well if it's if it's this federal government i guarantee it's less than 25 (laughs) dollars oh yeah they took they took money from you iou is this an iou for my birthday what the hell is this happy birthday your check is short 67 dollars this week enjoy your day um all right i'm gonna do the next two if you don't mind if you don't mind uh next up from anonymous no from am uh, oh, that's my middle first and middle initial, by the way. Uh, pronouns she and her. I turned 30 this week. Oh, I want to hug you. Oh, to be 30. Oh, uh, to be 30 with everything I know now. I'm not sure I would go back yes. to 30 with what I knew then. No, definitely not. But yeah. good years. Oh, the best years are ahead. I hope this person had a fabulous birthday. Yes, the 30s are I I think the 40s are the super best decades so far. The 30s were Agreed. incredible, though. That's they yeah. were. I I learned and became so much in my 30s, and uh, it was really really an eye opening decade. The 20s sucked. The 20s are like the junior high of life. Fuck the 20s. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, you don't know where you're ass from a hole in the ground. That's for sure. Yeah, and you look all weird, and you have bad hair choices. It's just terrible. Oh God! I actually saw pictures from my senior year, and you know when I post one, everyone's like, "You haven't aged a bit." And I'm like, "Wait a minute! Did I look 44 when I was 18, <laughs> or do I look really good right now?" It's a little <laughs> unclear. <laughs> you look exactly the same. What the fuck? Yeah, you're like okay. 18 year old me says, "Fuck you." <laughs> I know. What the hell is that supposed to mean? All right, but we do have more good news from Jay. Oh wait, let me. Let me read oh. this one. I want to read this one. Oh, yeah. You get the is... You get Jay. You get Jay. Because I got dragged by Rose Twitter this week for telling uh, third party voters. Oh, my to, God. To... You you and I uh, the same week. I I mean, I I am not getting the Rose and the Bachelorette episode. That is for mm-hmm. sure. OK, go ahead. <laughs> so this is from Jay. Pronouns he and him. Hello, AG. My good news. I convinced my work spouse to not vote third party. Woo. We talk daily through teams way more than is w- what is productive about various topics. Lately, we've been talking about the election and the orange menace. <laughs> she, she grew up in the household of, uh, of a small town as the daughter of a Republican mayor. Ooh. Uh, she was telling me about her hate for Trump and her dislike of Biden. She said she was going to vote third party or not at all. She did reveal that she loves Kamala. This got us to talk about the subject that uh, the subject that it's bullshit that the U.S. has never had a female leader. Yes, I agree. So I spun it into why don't you vote for a vice president you would want? 
and work wife tells me she didn't think of it that way and voting for Kamala felt better than voting for Joe. I will take this as a small victory. I also worked in some podcasts she should listen to. I worked in some podcasts you should listen to, <laughs> including my beloved Daily Beans and Muller, she wrote. Thank you for all your hard work and breaking things down to where I understand them better. And for the hell of it, I have included pet pictures. Oh, yes. look. That's a that's a brood you got that's there, quite Charlotte. The pod. Yeah. Elune, Oscar, Murray. Murray. Uh, everybody knows Murray. So sweet. Uh, that's Sylvanas Sadie. Th- thrall yeah i feel like thrall if uh, the listeners going to see this picture thrall runs this roost thrall is a black cat that i feel like is really directing traffic yeah i think you're correct yeah i feel um, it i, feel I think it. you're right on that but you know jay third party uh this is Thank really you. exciting because it just came out today in wisconsin that the gop is funding the green party yeah. Um, so they're, they're, the Green Party is a GOP joint now. Now, I'm not saying that the, all Green Party candidates are Republicans. What I'm saying is, is they've been co-opted. They, they are being funded by the Republicans. That's frightening. That is frightening. So I appreciate, uh, I, I love the Kamala tack that you took. So I think it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I hope other people can, uh, can use that one as well. Oh, so too. We've got more good news, though, AG. This is from Jensky, pronouns she and her. One of my first reactions to Trump being elected in 2016 was to make art. I didn't know it, but I think I was self-soothed at that time. I can totally relate. It was a way to communicate how I was feeling. I hadn't done it in a while because I hadn't had time, really. My kids were 7 and 10 at the time. God bless you. So I just scrounged around and made what I like to call hasty kitchen art with things we had on hand. At first, you'd have to look hard to see what they were about, but with time, they started to evolve and the communication became more clear. It was a political, it was political art. People began to share it around on social media. Also around the same time, I began postcarding. Pretty quickly, I combined the two and started selling postcards with my art to benefit resistance group, her resistance group, excuse me, uh, who had organized themselves to be able to make political donations. Very nice. From time to time, I pull in other artists who in future their work. Fast forward four years, I have an Etsy shop. Nice. I've had hundreds of orders and made thousands of dollars for Democratic candidates and strategic swing races and social justice causes. Thank you so much. Now that we are getting closer to the election, I'm making yard signs mm-hmm. with my most favorite piece of art I've ever made. I'm trying hard not to jump to the end because I love this piece, AG. Friends from all over are asking for one. I think you might recognize the message. Thank you for all you do. Vote early, vote once. Vote in numbers too big to manipulate. P.S. I'm delivering a pack of these to a group in San Diego this weekend. Oh, SD this weekend. Uh, Let me know if I can get one to you while I'm there. This sign is absolutely gorgeous. It's a beautiful piece of art. I don't know if you know, we coined... Vote in numbers too big to manipulate. You back, did. Nice. Back on, on Mueller, she wrote. And Jensky's made these signs. Yes, if you're going to be in San Diego this weekend, I would love to proudly display this sign in my front yard. Currently, I have not voting as the number one cause of unwanted presidencies uh, <laughs> in, in my yard. But this is so beautiful. It really is. And I, I mean, I political science, some people, you know, you have different opinions right now. I love the people that are being vocal. But this is nice because even though it doesn't really say who you need to vote for, it says who you need to vote for. <laughs> this is so wonderful. Thank you so much. I'm so honored that your favorite piece of art that we I feel like we had a little teamwork, Jensky, like we did a little fucking team thing and, and uh, you know, 
we came up and you did this beautiful art. I'm so excited. Okay. Anyway, I'm going to stop gushing because that's just so beautiful. Next up, we have uh, good news from Jamie, pronouns he and him. I use earbuds, headphones pretty much every waking minute, especially while at work. When I signed up for Twitter a while back, I enabled notifications and I installed software on my phone to read out notifications to me when they come in. This is going to be funny. <laughs> yes, it is. It has a function to overwrite specific words or phrases intended to, intended to fix the pronunciation. I've instead used it for mischief <laughs> now. Based on how it was originally written, my headset will variously refer to the villain in the White House as one of the following. <laughs> <laughs> the most prolific liar in history, the liar in chief, the traitorous liar, Sir Lies a Lot, the seditious liar, or simply Donnie the Liar. Now when the headline comes up, it will say something like, the seditious liar has this to say about mail-in voting. <laughs> which I think is a little more accurate. That's fantastic. Oh my god, I want to know what I want to know what app this is. I want to change everything. Uh yeah, well you can yeah, when you get your notifications through, you know, through TweetDeck or your phone or whatever, you can yeah. replace words with words and you can do it in your text messages oh, too. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. The little things, life hacks, life yeah. hacks. Yeah. So like the guy, like this guy I was dating, uh, no more, but whatever. One time I was dating this one guy and uh, he, I, I changed my name, uh, Allison, to uh, bomb ass pussy in his phone so that every time, <laughs> every time he would say my name, it would just immediately change it to bomb ass pussy in his phone. And now <laughs> oh my God. I love you more than ever. <laughs> I might actually change your name in my phone <laughs> to bomb ass pussy at this point. I think all of the listeners actually have immediately gone to find the software to change your name in their phone. Uh, and you can just do BAP if like you're uncomfortable with it. Just do BAP, mm -hmm, bomb ass BAP. pussy, and it works. Mm -hmm. All right. <laughs> More good news. This one's short and very, very sweet. Robert pronouncing him after years of encouraging my adult daughter to seek therapy she has finally agreed to see someone i'm so hopeful that this will make our relationship better and that she will be a happier person for it robert i'm so happy for both of you in this mental health right now in our country needs to have more energy put into it we need to have more funding and the stigma around therapy needs to be erased erased trust me it is a, you find a good therapist and there are some bad ones, so be careful, but you find a good therapist and they can be a lifesaver. So Robert, I hope this is an incredible experience for her and I hope it brings you closer and closer together. That is so wonderful. Thanks for sharing that, Robert. That's very personal. And I think that, that I hope there's some people out there who are listening that, you know, need to hear that too. Thanks. So thank you. Um, last bit of good news from KD initials KD and the pronouns are he and him and KD says my grandpa lives alone and survived the heat wave that just hit Southern California he's in the high desert oh it was so hot when we called to check on him <clears throat> he let us know that his swamp cooler and air conditioner stopped working the day oh, before geez. it was like 128 degrees okay yeah. I told him to get a hotel but he said he couldn't really get to his car temperatures were over 100 and this stubborn old goat was just gonna sit there and roast if I hadn't reached out Luckily, I was able to bring him a portable AC. He's still stubborn and old, but he promised not to let things get that bad again. Grandpa in the high desert. Yes. Call your people oh, when you need them. God. You're giving us all Ajna. Come on. We need to make sure you stay alive. Please. Please. And, oh. and 
you know. This heat wave was no joke. I mean, I was in Los Angeles, and my apartment, uh, I think, was up to 115. I have a, a air conditioner in my window, but not one in the bedroom. And I'd like to think the heat in my bedroom is from something else, AG. But no, it was actually from the heat wave that went through Los Angeles. <laughs> you can pretend, though, right? Sit there in the 115 with a fan on you, being like, that's right, bomb-ass pussy in the house. That's right. And, that's and, right. Uh, <laughs> Me alone <laughs> with my phone dictating. <laughs> Bomb ass pussy <laughs> with the fan blowing on me. That's exactly what it is. Incoming call from bomb ass pussy. <laughs> oh, my phone's on vibrate. Everything's oh, fine. Ah, excellent. All right. Well, now we know. And thank you. And thank you to all of our listeners for sending in these good news stories. It's a really, truly incredible. And also, you can catch me and uh, Dana and I, me and Dana, you can catch Dana and I. Uh, we're doing the <laughs> no, Mary Dana and me. Dana and me. You can catch me. You can catch Dana and me. That's right. That's yeah. right. Mm, I got a degree Wait, in English. Wait, hold on. Let me, hold on. Let me do that again. Allison, you are one of the smartest people I know, but I just want to let you know that that's Dana and me, but I really like the way you listen to other people's feedback. Thank you so much for that. Oh, see? The compliment sandwich <laughs> is complete. And now I feel like you're right. So you can catch Dana and me. Uh, on the MSW Book Club. We're doing the Mary Trump Book Club. It's a 6-7. It's going to be a seven-episode series, I'm pretty sure. And we have a surprise episode at the end and the epilogue for you. Uh, and it's uh, really, truly, uh, I, I'm, I'm loving this uh, series that I'm doing with you, Dana. And it comes out, I think, every Saturday, and it's for patrons. So if you're not a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash wrote. Uh, or patreon.com slash dailybeanspod. It all takes you to the same place. Or you can yeah. do it at uh, at dailybeanspod.com too. And we just got, oh, we just got another uh, bunch, like a whole bunch of um, donated one-year memberships. Nice. Um, from, from our patrons who are just so wonderful. Y'all are so, so great. And everyone who listens... What an incredible community. Do you have any final thoughts, Dana, before we get out of here? Yeah, actually, speaking of the community, I just wanted to say thank you. I mean, being new to the Bean Team, I've gotten so many sweet messages from some fans that I already have that are diehard listeners of your podcasts. And just, um, you know, all of the diehard Bean Team just sent me sweet notes this week. So that's my good news. And I just want you to know how much I appreciate them because during these times, every little bit counts. So thank you. Oh, that's so wonderful. You guys, I love you guys. No, it's nice to have more family. Family. Yes, definitely. And this is my new chosen family. So thank you so much, everyone. We will speak again tomorrow. Until then, take care of yourselves, take care of each other, take care of the planet, and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com. <laughs>